Greetings, I am Erin Patton, metaphysical master in a millennial age, and it is my life's purpose to guide you and organizations along an enlightened path. So I invite you to sit comfortably and tune in as I welcome you to the Meta Business Millennial, where we get the real conversations you won't get in the boardroom so that we understand this is exactly the path we need to be on in order to grow, evolve, and thrive. Greetings, I am Erin Patton, also known as Master L, and welcome to the Meta Business Millennial. I am here today with Heather Finch, who is a beautiful teacher of Reiki, Also, she has a business called The Art of Inviting Happiness, and I am so honored to have her here on today's show because it came by way of one of our other guests, the Skeptic Metaphysicians. Um, She happened to see us chatting and reached out, which is beautiful, um, because this is the first time someone's actually reached out to me to be on the show, so... (laughs) I love that this show is growing and expanding and without further ado, let's welcome Ms. Heather Finch. <laughs> Thank you very much. I am honored to be here today. I've seen some of your podcasts, and especially the one with the skeptic metaphysician. Oh, now there goes my mouth. Metaphysician. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was really touched by the work that you're doing and the fact that it's involving the fact that we all work and This is where we spend most of our time. And this is the place where we need to bring metaphysics and everything that is a bit unknown, but works. (laughs) Period. I love that this resonates with you so deeply and you articulated it perfectly. Okay, sister, I know this is gonna be a great conversation. So let's go ahead and get into who you are because I love to always shout out our listeners, our followers, our watchers, our viewers, and where they are on their path. A lot of them are just like me and you, professionals, former professionals, and our traditional upbringings, educations mostly, and are like, how the hell did you end up doing this? (laughs) Yes, that's a very good question. How (laughs) did I end up here? Because I grew up in Connecticut in the States in a bit of a privileged background, but because I was Catholic, I had lots of guilt about being privileged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know about that Catholic guilt. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it's, it is just, um, it, it molds us. It does actually shape us. And it made me search. It, it did start me on my search as I became uh, late in my late teens, I suppose, I started saying, is this the right thing for me? What is out there? And I didn't have much of an opportunity to do anything other than go from church to church to church, <laughs> because I don't think I had a broad enough mind at that point. Mm-hmm. But doing that introduced me to people in churches who were open to meditation mm. and other things that you wouldn't really classify as church types Mm. and but I was it took me a very long time to get to where I am because um, I kind of gave up on all of that in my 20s 
I, I went to uni, uh, got my psychology degree, and I was trying to figure out what makes humans tick because I couldn't figure it out. I, I was really struggling with my experience. And I thought maybe if I got a degree in psychology, I could cure my own depression and anxiety. And it didn't cure me at all. As a matter of fact, it raised more questions because I thought I'm supposed to be this way and I'm not. <laughs> so being molded with guilt from my childhood, um, that made me confused and, and it didn't help. Um, so I went through a series of careers, so to speak. I'm not sure if they were careers or just jobs. Yeah. I started in the hospitality industry because I do like that interaction with other people. And in a hospitality type situation, I can be friendly and engaging and, and people like that. And then they're usually friendly and engaging back. So it gave me that energy I needed. And then I started to settle down and, and wanted to be more in an office, regular hours, and went into administration and found out that really I was very helpful with computers with people. So, and I had a fascination with computers as well. Interesting. Uh, I mean, this could be long. I do apologize, but it, it helps to show where I've come from. Um, and so because I was helping everybody else with their computers and then starting to realize a lot of it was on the network. And the and so then I started talking to the IT guy and and I went, I think I could do this. And it really fascinated me, the whole computer thing. So I that, I tried to get into computers. And it wasn't easy. This is back in the late 90s, I suppose, um, maybe mid mid 90s. And I just couldn't get a foothold. And I didn't have a lot of money to spend on education. It was just, I was trying to figure out how to do it. So I just kept taking jobs like, and eventually I moved over to the UK, which is where I live now. And because I had to start fresh, I thought, I'm getting a job in a computer shop because at least they'll hire me from an admission administration point of view. Um, but, but maybe I could learn something about these computers and actually start to make my way. Mm. And I did. It wasn't easy. I just felt pushed back all the time. Now I know it was me. <laughs> it wasn't, I mean, there is a bit of a glass ceiling with women and things like that, but it was me. It really was. So I walked into actually fixing computers and, and changing out screens on laptops and things. I'm like, oh, this is great. I can do this now. And then I realized that the way forward from a financial perspective to actually have a job that paid well was software. Mm. And so I got jobs being in customer support because as much as I could kind of code, I can do a website, but I, I wasn't able to do all the bits, fancy bits behind that or a particular language. And, and that carried me into my fifties. So, and here I am in my fifties. <laughs> and a few years ago, I said, I need a change because I'm really stressed. Um, now, granted, I did start my Reiki um, journey 14 years ago. Okay. Because I was stressed then. And it, it, this is part of that career path that I was on. Reiki started teaching me that I am in control of my own emotions. Mm -hmm. I am. And I, and I thought, oh, I can't control my emotions. Yes. <laughs> Trust me, I, I, 
I was certain I couldn't, and and it took a lot of practice. Um, but the thing that turned me, that that finally got me over that mountain of, I can't do this, was when somebody said to me in the Reiki community, it's all about self-love. And when you can finally love yourself, everything's possible. Mm-hmm. And I just went, well, that sounds really exciting, but I hated myself. Mm. I was in my 40s and I hated who I was, mm. what I had been. And I, I talked about this with people. Um, you know, I have a psychology background. <laughs> it's like, well, I hate myself. And people are like, well, can you not analyze that? I'm like, well, I could, but it's not done me any good. But they said, okay, do this. And this is my one thing for me that worked. And there is so many different ways that they might work for different people. For me, I've learned to place my hands on my heart center and say, I love you. And I made a face then because I went back to the who I was then because when I started this, I didn't believe it. Yeah, trust me, I understand. It took years, but it was the hardest, best work I've ever done. Mm. Because I am now at this point living the life of my so-called dreams. Yeah. So I have I have some IT work that pays my bills and I that allows me to be able to have my business of being able to spread reiki and love and all this energy and vibration that needs to get out into the workplace. Yes. Yes. And if I may just go back to this piece you were speaking about in terms of um, when you were younger and you were going through kind of like your um, iterations of career and you said one thing that deeply resonated with me and you were like, it wasn't the glass ceiling, it was me. Yes, yes. It wasn't the glass, it wasn't the discrimination, it was me. No, it was me. <laughs> so I think that that resonates deeply with me because I talk about toxic workplaces a lot and I talk about my experience in toxic workplaces, yes. racial discrimination, yes. sex discrimination, backstabbing, political games, all the bullshit. And at the core, it was me because we have to understand, we have to understand in this journey, we can't control other people. However, we can control how we react to other people. And that comes out of that self-love because when you love yourself, whatever someone else says or does to you is inconsequential. It, it doesn't is. matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> because when you know yourself, you are able to stand in your truth. Yes. Yes, I, I was very fortunate in my, my last position of employment mm-hmm. where I was doing customer support and getting very stressed out. And they said, what can we give, what, what kind of training do you want? And I went, well, I'm not in a position to have more, you know, to have like computer programming type training or anything. I'm in a customer support role. What could I ask for? And, and I jokingly said, well, I could do with a bit more confidence. And I went, <laughs> We can help you with that. And I went, a workplace that says they can help me with confidence? Come on now. I 
I was really surprised that they offered that and very blessed. And so I took them up on it. I said, okay, great, sign me up. And I had three sessions with a confidence coach. And at the third session, I didn't need him anymore because he said the thing that was stopping me at that point was the words he said to me were, you are not responsible for the way anyone else reacts. And I, it, it struck me. I went, but, but I need to be kind. I, I need to be nice. I need to be careful so that I don't upset my colleagues. And he said, no, you are not responsible for how they act. It's their responsibility. He says, you're responsible for how you react. He says, but it's their responsibility, not yours. Don't take that responsibility on your shoulders. And it really freed me up that knowing that I'm responsible for me, I've been working on me, but I hadn't gotten there. I hadn't been able to let go of that stress. I hadn't been able to change my life so that I felt stressless, <laughs> at ease, <laughs> for the best, best way to put it. And those words really helped me because that's when I realized it's my responsibility for anything that happened. The way that I reacted to things was my responsibility. And I'm the one that took my own opportunities away because I didn't push things or because I heard something else that somebody said to me. Mm. I didn't hear what they said. I heard my own version of it. And my own version of it colored the whole way that I dealt with a situation. And that was just so freeing because all of a sudden I could be me. Mm. And that self-love combined with that, the confidence just happened. Yes. And, and yeah. I was like, wow, this is how I want to be. And now that I know it's possible, I can get back there. Yeah. And I must say it radiates off of you as well. You can see it oh. in you. And in one thing too, that you alluded to, and I just want to continue to highlight is it takes time. You know, you said that, you know, I, I, I knew I could do this. I kind of, I know it you know, intellectually. However, when we've had a practice vibration of defensiveness, anxiety, fight or flight, worry, oh my God, you know, kind of energy, then when we're aware of a different way of being, then we can't expect to be there just because we know it, okay? It's yeah. a practice vibration of this other way of responding, yes. if we you will. Bad habits that we need to change. Yes. And to this day, um, another bit about me personally, I have been married and divorced three times. <laughs> um, but I'm in a, in a lasting relationship at this point, but I think marriage is not good for me. Um, <laughs> But saying that, oh, shoot, I was, I was getting to a point. Oh, practice. <laughs> we, we'll have um, conversations and occasionally something will be said and I will all of a sudden go into defense mode. Mm. And it's because in past relationships, I was in defense mode there too. And, and that it spiraled out of control in those yeah. relationships. Right. And so I think, oh, no, what does he mean? this relationship is so good. And then I go, wait a minute, Heather, he loves you and everything's fine. 
And it's amazing how much that realization, it's like, oh, I'm being defensive. <sighs> Relax. There's nothing that can't be fixed when there's love involved and you can let go to it. I receive that because trust me, I'm in a dating phase right now and I've not been married yet. However, I've been in and out, in and out, in and out of relationships my whole life. <laughs> well, it's a good thing you didn't marry because it's harder to get out of them when you've married. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, really I receive that because I feel it 100% that the love always trumps and it really creates the container, if you will, for respect, for listening, for problem solving, for compromise, for just healthy communication. And that is something that I deeply am calling forth for myself is a partner who I can honestly communicate with. Okay. I have big emotions. I have big feelings. I have big energy. Okay. Yeah, and I want to be able to express energy. my thank you. I want to be able to express myself in full, and that's not easy for a lot of people to receive. And so, that's why the love is so critical because when you have that baseline love yeah. and respect, then the trust is almost like um, I mean, it's it's already there. It's like an ass assumed position. Yeah. So, it, so the emotions, whether they are angry or skeptical or anxious can be, it's a, it's a, it has space for it. There's space for yeah. those. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, and it does come from that self-love because when I started with this relationship originally, I didn't have that self-love, but my partner did. Yeah. And that gave me the confidence that this was the right thing to do. But because he developed his confidence or his self-love on his own, he was a safe space for me. Mm. I was very, I guess, and I'm going to just say weak because at the time I couldn't imagine that I would ever have confidence. Mm. That, that container, I love that, that phrasing because he provided this container for me, which I mm. need. But now that I know that just doing this every night and looking in the mirror and going, I love you. And then finally one day going, I mean it. That was kind of scary, mm. but I mean it. Mm. And, and think this is really weird. People would think that I'm just nuts if they saw what I was doing, talking to myself in a mirror saying, I love you. And, and all those, and, and the fact that it took me years to get there. Mm. But self-love, once I had that, it grounded me. And I, I could do all these grounding exercises. I mean, I was learning all of the, the woo type things to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. But until I had this, the self-love, nothing else really grabbed hold for me. Loads of people seem to be able to do lots of exciting things. But I think there's this wholeness when you bring the self-love into it. Mm. And, and I just kept kind of trying to find things all throughout my life that mm. would just fill that hole. But the self-love is the only thing for me that filled that. Yes. 
And just to kind of break that down metaphysically, what Heather's talking about in terms of the grounding, she was doing all these metaphysical grounding exercises, whether it be sitting down as I am in meditation or walking in nature or being barefoot or getting in water, eating root vegetables. There's so many ways to ground yourself. Yet in order to have that open heart, that self-love that she's talking about, it has to be anchored in something. So yes, we want to have the open heart, yet the grounding is critical in getting to that space. Because if you think about the energy bodies, the energy centers, you have your root, your sacral, your solar, then your heart. So those bottom chakras, those bottom energy centers, the more stable they are, the more grounded they are, the more open our hearts can be. Definitely. So you're doing the work. We're doing the work. And as you do the work, <laughs> The, the everything falls into place. It all comes into alignment. That's beautiful. Yes. You said that beautifully. I mean, when I when I teach Reiki, all of this comes out over the course, you know, which just takes a long time. And you've just summarized all of that in such a beautiful way because it is about all the energy. And that that I'm I'm gonna have to like go back and look at that because you really succinctly said it. So thank <laughs> you for that. Beautiful you're welcome. And so I want to ask you about your transition because I mean, you're a woman, you're in computers, technology, software in the nineties, early two thousands, like boss level <laughs> shit for real. Like minimum wage, mind you, minimum wage. So yeah, but still, it's still a very male dominated industry and in a, in a foreign country in UK, and yeah. I really want to get into the nitty gritty details of how you started to transition. Like what sparked that metaphysical awakening for you? Um, uh, for me, I always speak to my trauma. Everybody know I talk about my trauma, you know, and how that woke me up. It had to wake yeah. me up. You know, yeah. what, can you speak to a, a detailed story about your okay. awakening? Can, very much so. Um, I I had a bunch of, universal smacks in the face <laughs> that um, that really helped to change the way I was looking at things. I, like I said, I was very much church driven, um, but starting to open my mind a little bit to meditation and things. And, but I was very hardworking was the motto that I was raised with. You have to work hard. And I know there's thing about smarter than, you know, work smarter, not hard and all of that. And I could never figure that out. So I worked two jobs and I worked hard and I was trying to do everything they said that I could do. And I chose not to have children actually, because I just didn't think that I wouldn't be able to support them from the way that I was living. I mean, I was not the uh, image of stability, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> and I also thought, why bring another soul into this world if I didn't want to be here? So that was a, a big factor. And I think because I, from the age of 11 until I was in my 40s, I really didn't want to be here. I was making do and managing and trying to figure out things. And in my 30s, my body started going, well, if you don't want to be here, Maybe I don't because my body started to break down and I developed fibromyalgia and 
a few other autoimmune illnesses that just knocked me on my feet. And I'm working two jobs. I'm like, I can't not work two jobs. I've got to work two jobs because I want this, this, and this. And, and, and that's what you're supposed to do. And my body was going, no, there's a better way. But I wasn't listening. <laughs> so after I developed fibromyalgia, um, probably from being dropped on my head in an accident, I, I, I used to like horses. I still love them from a distance. <laughs> um, but I, I fell off. And shortly after landing on my head, I developed this fibromyalgia, which they do say neck injuries can cause be a, a starter for fibromyalgia. And fibromyalgia just kind of makes you stop because you can't keep going at warp speeds. It, your body just says, I can't do it. And, and I found ways to make myself feel better. And I, I was taking vitamins and doing everything. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to conquer this thing. I am, I'm going to keep going. But that's also a big um, indicator of someone who develops fibromyalgia is that they're determined to fight through it. They're not listening to their bodies. That's really what the problem is, unfortunately. We need to rest. We need to take care of our bodies. Our bodies are a temple. So during this time period, um, I'm fighting back and I had another accident from a horse and um, the horse ended up trampling me and collapsed both my lungs and broke the rib off my sternum. So it wasn't just breaking a rib, it was breaking it right off the actual sternum broke a bunch of other bones. And that experience, it made me look at life differently because I did almost die, basically. I, I got into the hospital and I wasn't in that much pain. I, I really oddly wasn't. I mean, I, I've broken bones and everything, but I don't know, I wasn't in that much pain. It was mm. very strange. It was almost like my body was going you have another thing going on here. So you, we're going to let you not feel this pain for a while, <laughs> which was my lungs were collapsing. And that that's what I needed to get to the hospital for. They x-rayed me right away and they went, we need to do surgery right now. And we're going to puncture your lungs and we're going to put tubes in your lungs and we're going to start breathing out of these machines. And I went, and this is going to sound really stupid. I went, can I have a second opinion? <laughs> because I thought that's a bit extreme. I'm not in pain and, and I'm, I'm having trouble breathing, but I'm, but that's a bit extreme, isn't it? I, I just didn't get where I was. I just didn't get it. And he looked at me and he went, you can't have a second opinion because you're going to die in about an hour and a half, two hours. He says, and I want to save you from that. And I went, okay, okay, go ahead. <laughs> Do the surgery. That's fine. I'll, I'll sign the form. Go ahead. <laughs> and and for 10 days, I was morphined up and, and on another planet, so to speak. Um, and, and then they pulled the tubes out. And three days later, they sent me home and went, you're going to be fine. You got a couple of broken bones and... A broken collarbone they couldn't do anything about broke off the sternum with my rib couldn't do anything about that I had little vertebrae 
um, ribs. They're not the vertebrae themselves. My vertebrae were intact, but the little ribs off of them were broken. My scapula was broken, but none of the bones I broke could they do anything about. Ah. So they just sent me on my way with some beautiful, wonderful drugs <laughs> that that made you not feel broken bone pain. Okay. And they said, start walking. Just once you feel like you can, start walking. And so I started walking and, and I got a little bit further each day. And I never knew how bad I really had it. Hmm. But it was a wake-up call. Mm. I don't know if all the drugs they pumped into me changed my physiology, but I changed after that accident. Um, I filed for divorce after that accident, but not because of that accident, but it, it just, you know, just, I looked at my life and I went, this isn't working. Mm. It just isn't, my life is not working. I need to change something and maybe I need to change everything. And I heard about Reiki at that point. And I thought, that sounds great, but you know what? I can't afford, especially if I'm not going to be working two jobs, I can't afford to pay for healing. I need my insurance to cover my healing. I need to heal myself, maybe, mm -hmm. but I can't keep going to someone to heal me, mm. which is why I've taken the tact I've taken at this stage of teaching people Reiki rather than being a practitioner. I can do that, but I'm much more interested in teaching people how to heal themselves. Beautiful. And that was that transformation it took me a long time to get there it wasn't an overnight thing it's just that I know that that was the stage when Reiki became in my awareness but I didn't actually start doing anything with Reiki for another six or seven years and it was because I was introduced to a Reiki group who could support me and I went to Reiki once a week and, and I learned all about it. And we all chatted about Reiki and other things and we supported each other. That's how I needed to learn Reiki, not by going off and learning Reiki and then wondering, what do I do with it now? <laughs> I needed a support group. I really did. And as much as my Reiki group isn't a support group per se, that is what it is. So I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that beautiful story. I was over here, like all kinds of emotions. I'm sure you saw my face. <laughs> I, I wear all my emotions on my face and I feel like all the brokenness, all of that was, it was almost like a re, I like to call it a remembering Yes. Um, because member, you know, the word in itself means like a part, like a part of the body. And when we remember, we're putting ourselves back together. Yes. And you like literally had to put yourself back together. Like the doctors can't do it. Your mama can't do it. The nurses can't do it. The healers can't do it. Actually, Heather, your body is like, I got to do this. I got to put my, my, I'm all broken. Yeah. Literally, I'm broken up and I got to yeah. put the pieces back together. So for me, that is like the like physical manifestation of what you were also doing metaphysically. 
Yes. Yeah. Well, it, it's amazing to me how it's all connected because I know that my mind was causing my unhappiness. Yeah. And my mind was putting me in these situations where I felt like I had to work two jobs and I felt like I had to excel at everything I did and hard yeah. work and all of that. And, and yet my body went, that's not what we're here for. We're here for a different experience than that. Yes. And, and I didn't realize that my body had a say. I, I didn't, I, even though I'd done my psychology degree, I knew about psychosomatic illnesses. That really made me angry when I learned about psychosomatic illnesses because I went, my brain does not cause my body illness. <laughs> because I thought that they were indicating I was a weak person. Yeah. For having a physical ailment caused by my brain. Right. And, and yet I was trained in psychology, you know, that it's, but I was offended by it. But my experience said, guess what? You're going to find out how connected we all are. Yes. And it did. That's beautiful because we are all, especially in our programming here, especially in the US, our mind we're very ignorant of the power of the mind in our traditional kind of upbringing and training and education. Yeah. And yeah. it requires life experiences for many or for some of us rather to really awaken to the power of the mind and how it can be our greatest gift or yeah. our harshest curse. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh -huh. I, I, I just have to, one of the things that I preach or what have you is about my change in my mentality, being depressive and then learning mindfulness and self-love. And I'm living the life of my dreams now. And my life may not seem a whole lot different on the outside to what it was, but it's amazing because my brain has taken a different perspective of it. And I can't remember, I, I wish I could remember the name of the person. I was in, in Anita Morjani has a near-death experience. Um, and she talks a lot about that and love being such a big factor in when she had that experience. Love was there on the other side and it's so beautiful. But that made me research, and it might've been a skeptic metaphysician podcast actually, um, made me research other near-death experiences. And somebody had, a situation where their mind took them to hell in a near-death experience. And I thought, oh, how can that be? Love, hell, love. wait a minute, I don't like this. What, what that person, by the end of her story, she went through all this hell of which seemed eternity to her as she was going through it, even though she was only in this near-death experience for a brief amount of time. But when she started singing, to herself to raise her vibration within this hell because she she didn't know anything she tried everything else and she decided to try and sing because she remembered this song that that would definitely raise her vibration and the other people there in this hell with her started singing with her and they all just the energy raised and instantly she came out of hell into heaven and then she came out of her near-death experience 
That to me is an example, a, a good story of what my life has felt like. Mm-hmm. I have lived in hell on earth in my mind, same life as I'm living now. And now I'm living heaven on earth. Yes, heaven on earth. It is. It is. And it, and I go back down into my, as my partner calls it, cesspit of self-loathing occasionally. And as I go down there, I go, wait a minute. I don't want to be there. Yeah. Because now I know that I'm worthy, that I deserve to have this. I'm a miracle, actually, because... What are the chances that human beings exist? We are all miracles, every single one of us. And when we become aware of that, the world is our oyster, not because we can have riches and fame and all of that, because we can appreciate the beauty of this amazing gifted world. It is a gift, definitely. It is a gift. It's a beautiful gift. And my motto with my mentors and myself and everyone else I share with is heaven on earth and having the ability to choose each day, each moment, which vibration are you going to roll with? And I love how you just shared your own personal experience with the hell that you've created versus the heaven that you create. And also the reality of us falling back into the hellish like mindset or state at any given moment. You know, it can be a trigger from an ex texting you or from your mama or whoever else creates that trigger. (laughs) And you can choose how you respond or not respond and moving on to something greater. And too often we get pulled by the lower vibrations because like we said before it's so practiced it's so programmed it's so easy to be petty yeah yeah it's a natural instinct when you've done it so long (laughs) yeah but you've been in it so long yet when you when you decide like nope this is my heaven and on my earth and i'm sharing this experience i'm co-creating this experience i have actually i'm the master of this experience yes then why would I choose anything less than great? You know what I'm saying? Like, never would I choose anything less than great. Exactly. Exactly. And each moment, um, each now is a moment to choose because our lives can change in an instant. Yes. And that instant might be uncomfortable as we're going through it, but we can choose how we view it at that moment and it's either eye-opening and how can we, you know, what, what can we do to, to make this better? Or it can be that, for me, cesspit of self-loathing of, oh, no, where am I now? And needing to remember to come out of it and say, actually, I'm still alive and I'm okay. And right now I have a choice. And my choice is happiness. I love it. The art of inviting happiness. (laughs) And now that I brought that up, let's talk about the business because this is my business millennial. And we want to get down to how you started to monetize your gifts. Well, yeah, get into it. Okay. (laughs) And the, the interesting thing to all of this is that Reiki 
is an exchange. Mm -hmm. Reiki teaches us that when you give something, there should be a receiving of something. Yes. Monetary is our normal way of doing things and trading or what have you, any way you want to imagine it. But if you teach somebody something, then there's an exchange and you receive money. And the Reiki has helped me to understand that it's okay to charge, to teach people this. Yes, I have a a Reiki group that um, unfortunately due to COVID, we haven't met much in the last three years in person, but we do meet every Monday um, online. And it just is there for anyone that has been in any part of the Reiki journey, Mm -hmm. always. But it's okay to charge for things that may seem like you want to give it away. Now saying that, I don't think I've actually... And practicing that as well as I should. I do have Reiki clients. I have my Akashic Record clients, um, but it's not taking off. It's not doing this world on fire like I would have hoped. And I'm working at it though. And I'm opening my mind and I'm looking at different things that I can do to make it uh, a viable business. Because yes, it's a business. I file my taxes, but my bills are paid elsewhere mm-hmm. with a part-time contract, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I bring my Reiki into my work elsewhere as well. Yes. So I, I am trying to build build a business, but I'm also letting it happen as it happens. Yeah. I have the luxury of that. I realize not everybody does. So I want to point that out, that I do have a luxury of having a part-time type thing that takes care of my worries, my financial worries, so that I can then focus on what do I want to offer and how do I want to do it? And I can play with it. Yes. So. I love that because it's a luxury that you manifested and you co-created with God. Yes. And so I I, I want to highlight that for folks because I don't want people to think that, oh, it's a luxury for her. So I I'm kind of have a lack of perspective and it's not for me. I, I don't know if I could do that. And instead looking at it like this is the route that she crafted, that Heather crafted for herself to make it work for her. And, and I'm in process as well, because yes. I did start all of this well in full employment were and, and as much as I knew better, I was in full employment, plus I was working on support on call once a month, and it, it was very stressful, but I was doing my Reiki at that point already. So I have been doing this a number of years. When I had that opportunity given to me that allowed me more time with the business, I've taken full advantage of that. Mm-hmm. And I am putting so much of myself into trying to make this business work and just also spreading love and spreading tips to help other people get around their own selves. So because it is ourselves that cause our own issues Yes, Um, and bringing that awareness. And, and if I, and I would like to make my business a more viable business, but what I'm doing is doing that if that makes sense yeah and one thing that you alluded to in in that that beautiful description of how your path is is 
unfolding is the unfolding and the allowing of the unfolding because um you know you so beautifully shared that you started you kind of started getting into this more recently the past 10 14 years and you had already lived a good 40 years at a different vibrational frequency (laughs) so the unfolding it it takes time and like I always love to encourage our our viewers and our our listeners is that the the unfolding of time is relative it may feel like it's taking a long time to be where you want to be However, what are you experiencing in that unfolding? And yeah. I love to say, I mentioned this before to my, to my mentors, I feel like I'm moving slower, but I'm getting to my destination faster. Yes. And what yes. that means is I start to have this more of this, gra- this grounded peace, this happiness, the heaven on earth that we alluded to, so that my days are more joyful, more full of joy. Yeah. As opposed to the anxiety and the worry and the rushing that comes with the other way of existing and being that I lived in. Yeah. And so, and also Esther Hicks, one of my favorite mentors, Abraham Hicks, talks yes. about the enjoyment of the unfolding, the, the, the joy in the unfolding, the, the obser- observation of the unfolding, and, and the gratitude, the appreciation of the unfolding. Yes. And when we live in that appreciation of the unfolding, then more can unfold, <laughs> more can fold over. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I, I've had a very, a, a very difficult week in a sense that in the beginning of this week, I started to question having asked to go on this podcast because I thought, who am I to be doing this? Because where am I going with all of this? I was having one of those down moments that mm-hmm. that I know it comes down and it goes back up and it comes down. So I, I wasn't too worried about that moment, but I did have this deflated feeling of, I don't want to waste your time, basically, was my biggest concern of, you know, well, why, why have I done this? Because what am I? And then I thought, wait a minute, I'm worthy and I'm doing this because I'm so excited about the fact that our world is changing. Yes. And yeah, maybe my business is creeping along, but I get to meet all these amazing people through what I'm doing. And I have met amazing people and I'm loving meeting you because I'm just definitely thrilled with the way you are able to get things into an easy way to say it and understand it. Yeah. as you notice my, my words kind of go off on another tangent sometimes but I did have this imposter syndrome for I didn't want to call it that but that is the best words for it that I think most people can understand thinking who am I and and I thought nope I'm just going to keep stepping forward stepping forward and and I'm going to have that I'm worthy and I'm going to keep telling myself that even if I don't feel it mm-hmm. And I have a networking group that I'm a part of. And yesterday was our networking weekly group. And I just felt this through the group. It was like something happened. Uh, Right now, I can't remember what that was. But, (laughs) But something happened in it. And I went, 
yeah, I got this. Yeah. I'm going to be okay. And, and this is amazing because yeah. this is part of my journey. Yes. And here I am. So Harry, here you are. <laughs> and here is every, anyone listening to this, watching this, that may have a moment of unworthiness, may have a moment of imposter syndrome, know that that is natural. It is so natural because fundamentally our core desires as human beings, the desire for comfort, desire for control, and the desire for recognition. And the desire for recognition is such a deep one, especially in our C and B seen society. Okay. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to be felt. And there is such a cacophony. There's such, there's so much noise out there of that energy that we can often, myself included, get lost in that noise and not see the uniqueness, the specialness, the beauty, the, of ourselves. Yes. Of our, of why we are here. And I love how you, beautifully articulated for all the you know viewers and for myself included that when you had that imposter syndrome you had to ask yourself why why the hell am I doing this and that is fundamentally what you have to do when you, especially in those moments because that is what inspires you to action when you're when you don't have a purpose the soul's really not moved very to be, true you can, you can work really hard. You can make yourself up. You can force your body to do anything. But yeah. will the soul be moved? Not unless there is a clear, crystal clear why. Crystal clear purpose. So that true. generally is aligned with God, aligned with your divinity. That's your yeah. soul. So when you're able to connect back to your why, connect back to your purpose, then all the other shit falls away. It's so true. One of the things that on I'm, I'm on LinkedIn mostly with my social media and I'm on That's there every good. day. That's and good. that is where I'm saying to everyone, what are your passions? Because your passions are what fuel you. They are what set you on fire. No matter how hard you work towards it, you're energized. It's when you lose that passion that you sit there going, why am I doing this? I don't know, I don't have a reason for why I'm doing this. Well, if you need to be doing that, reframe it. Because when you reframe how you're, if you think I've got to go and do this, I have an obligation to doing something, you're not gonna be fed from that. You're gonna feel depleted. Yeah. But when you something and you go, I am, I am actually getting the opportunity to do this and, yes. and doing something for someone. You get to spend time with that person. If there's nothing else, you get to have that special time with them. That is so, it's energizing when you look at it that way. And that's part of, I, I just love that the whole passion has to be a part of whatever we do. When mm -hmm. we lose our passion, we lose our way. Yes, yes. And I, I love how you talk about that passion because it is that passion that keeps us going and inspired and, and motivated. Yes. And this is one reason why ever since I was like young, like this is something that I always was able to resonate with was follow your passions. Yeah. I've, everything I've always done, no matter how crazy it was, I was going to be passionate about it. Okay. <laughs> 
I always moved with that energy because I I wanted to do what I what I wanted to do, frankly. Like I became kind of out of that spoiled only child syndrome type of energy of I want to do me at all costs. So that energy of passion, you know, in balance is all that we need. And in our Tai Chi teachings, we call it having 100% will, 100% determination. Where there's a will, there is a way. Yes. And I know this is really hard for people to internalize and accept because we've been taught, especially in the U.S., that we have to pull our straps, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We have to yeah. work every a penny. Wait, a penny earned is whatever the phrase is. Oh. You know. I know. Yeah, I can't think of it. Penny earned is a penny deserved, or something like that. You know, (laughs) feeling like we have to work for every penny. Are you kidding me? No way. That's not how it is. But this, you know, (laughs) what what you said a minute ago, and what we're talking, what talking about right now, are so connected. You said when when you slow down with your business a bit, you are getting you're going faster ahead, Mm -hmm. and and it's that's kind of an opposite of what we're culturally taught isn't it yes and we work so hard and we think we that's that's how we've got to do it and it's not saying that we don't need to work hard but if we're working with our passions then we don't need to find out how to do something because we will know how to do something mm-hmm. we will will if we're passionate i mean we'll find out how to do something if you find your passion it will drive you to have that learning experience to be able to do whatever it is you want to do. Yes. Um, and so you need to step back and relax in order to find that though. Mm-hmm. If it makes any, it's a bit of a catch 22. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's uh, just paradox. the opposite, a paradox. It's yeah. exactly what it is, is a paradox. And one thing that I, I, I had to start incorporating more of interestingly enough in my because your metaphysical journey is always evolving and I was doing a lot of meditation a lot of speaking over myself and talking to healers so I have been blessed with resources to have healers and teachers and mentors and across all kinds of various different modalities and it got to a point more recently where I was like I need to talk to God (laughs) I just need to go straight to source Yes. You know, and I feel like for people who are really struggling with with hearing their that inner voice or tapping into that inner voice, there is nothing wrong with good old fashioned prayer. Exactly. Because Getting, you're talking to the, the the one source and we are all connected. We are all connected to one another through that one source. Mm-hmm. It's amazing the power of all of that. And, and you can have a direct line of communication. You just mm-hmm. need to listen, which sometimes I'm not very good at. But <laughs> it is not even about the listening. If you aren't able to listen or hear, sometimes just speaking. Yes. Speaking out what yes. you need, speaking out what you're calling for, speaking out what you desire. These things can help you open yourself up to receiving sometimes, I find. Like I love to take really hot salt baths with you know, essential oils and rose petals and things. And in my bath, it, I have, because I have had, you know, a very busy life. So being still is, does not come easy to me. However, when you're in a hot bathtub, your body has no choice but to relax, you know, like you're like, 
I can't even try to be anxious if I want it to be. And it's in that moment, in those moments where I really am open to receiving from God and speaking to God. Yes. And however you want to, God, Allah, source, your highest self, your inner self, your inner child, your, your divine self. Mm. There's so many words in labels. Um, however, these are the conversations that really enable you to be more aligned with your purpose. So I love that. Let's talk about that. I love that you mentioned baths. I know, I know that sounds a bit silly, but <laughs> when I'm feeling really, really rushed and life is just taking mm -hmm. over and then I do one of my healing things for all of my illnesses that I've encountered over the years is Epsom salt baths. Yes. And throughout the week, I know if I have my Epsom salt bath that I'm going to feel pretty good because that is my, it's not only the Epsom salts, the, the magnesium or whatever it is that your body takes up through the bath. It's also that downtime of relaxing and chilling and letting your vibration even out mm -hmm. because we have our ups and our downs, but it's that evenness. When we feel we're even, that's where that love is it it's hard to i mean yes we can have romantic love that's very high vibration and all of that but but when we have that self-love it's a very calming thing and that is part of my bath routine it's just relax and fill that heart chakra with love yes and that's where i can actually start to listen for me i need to listen to what's going on around me and maybe close my mouth sometimes, you know, <laughs> but, but speaking because everyone has a different way of doing things. And so for you, you, you're speaking with it. And I'm deciding that I need to listen at this point. There are times when I need to speak about it. And, and in a way doing this podcast is a bit of me speaking about it as well. It's putting it out to the world. My, I'm, I'm saying things that maybe people wouldn't normally say about their businesses on a podcast. And I'm okay with that. Because I think that if I don't admit it to myself or publicly, hmm. Hmm. then then how am I going to deal with it? Yes. How am I going to make it better? Honesty is the best policy. And if you aren't honest with yourself, don't expect it from anyone else. Exactly. Exactly. Period. Yeah, Period. because it does. It comes from, we, we reflect around us our, what is going on inside of us. And so you won't get honesty from someone else if you're not being honest with yourself. That's a, that's such a beautiful thing to say. I love that. Yeah. Because I know so many people that are looking for honesty in a relationship and they're like, how do you, how did you find your partner? He's so honest. And I'm like, well, I wrote down on a piece of paper what I wanted. And I thought, handsome. Now let's put it at the bottom of the list. And actually he's very handsome, <laughs> but I put it on the list. I put it at the bottom of the list. Yeah. Uh, but honesty was my top thing. When, when I reordered everything I put down, honesty was number one. And, and I thought I also had the same thought process at that time. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm honest. I, I try to be very honest with myself and other people. And then I realized I do tell white lies and I, I make people feel better. Now I can be kind and be honest. And that is not telling a white lie. I can, I can make, I, I don't have to say certain things. I can be nice by not saying something that, that may, may be hurtful. 
But when something needs to be said, that's what I've taken now into myself and said, well, I want honesty. So I need to be honest to everyone else. If that means not saying anything, then, then that'll do because that might be the kindest thing sometimes. And other times it's, how can I say this kindly? Because I think this person needs to hear it. Mm. Just like I would have needed to hear something from someone else because that's how we learn. Yeah. So I don't know. Sorry, I went off on a tangent again. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. And that's a beautiful kind of um, encapsulation of our conversation today. You know, you you circle back around to the self-love and then cherry on top with the honesty. And I really would love to invite you to share with our listeners, with our viewers, how they can stay in touch with you, how they can get in touch with you, maybe learn more about how to learn Reiki healing from you or be part of your community. I think that would be great to share at this time. Thank you very much for that. Um, The best way to get in touch with me is through my website, because all of my links are on my website. And this way, the best way that works for anyone that's interested in getting in touch will be able to find my links from my website. And my my website is www.theartofinvitinghappiness.com. It's the name of my business. And the, the thing is, if anyone wants to bring Reiki into their life, they're interested in Reiki at all, or if they're a Reiki master teacher and they just want to be in touch with other people who are in the same mindset with Reiki, I invite everyone to, anyone that's interested to join my Facebook group because I have a Facebook group where I do a Reiki live once a week and we talk about Reiki and angel cards because it's fun. So. <laughs> Love that because I have my dragon cards. So I don't know, I may join your group soon. <laughs> oh, lovely to have you there. And it's, it's yes. an absolute thing because The thing about a Reiki circle, because it's alive and not a Zoom, um, I do it whether there's anybody there or not. And as people join throughout the week, the energy builds. Yes. So it's wonderful because sometimes there's a few there live. And most of the time, it's people joining afterwards when it's convenient for them. Yeah. So to all the listeners and viewers, don't worry. We'll be sure to drop those links into the show notes. So check out the show notes. And of course, you can find more information about me, the meta business world at themetabusiness.world, and also on my social media links at I am Erin Patton. And I'm just going to plug the podcast too, the Meta Business Millennial Podcast too, is on Instagram and social media. So thank you all for listening, for watching. Thank you so much to Miss Dear Heather for tuning in, tapping in from the UK. And I hope that this session, this podcast blessed all of y'all as it's blessed us because this conversation was truly lovely and healing. And again, I thank you all for being here and I'll see you on the next episode of the Meta Business Millennial. Peace. Did you really love this episode of the Meta Business Millennial podcast? Well, I am honored and I appreciate you subscribing, leaving a review and sharing it with your friends because your feedback allows us to co-create more enlightened conversations. And if you're interested in growing your soul now, head over to my website, erinpatton.com to find all the show notes, links, and free resources to get your energy activated today. In the meantime, stay bright, my friends. 
Much love and light. Peace.